This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Are you tired of listening to the same playlists over and over again? Are you ready for something new? Discover the latest music from LGBTQIA musicians on Homo Ground. There's so much music ready for you to devour, like this song by Carl X. What are you waiting for? Visit homoground.com or search Homo Ground on your favorite podcast app. Same ground, different sound. You're on Homo Ground. Hello. This week, I'm joined by the lovely Jason Decker. He's a filmmaker, a sexual adventurer, and an avid listener. He heard Smoke, the episode I did recently about weed and sex, and got in touch because he has some different experiences to share. Putting aside the sheer audacity of the man, there's a couple of things that I need to uh, mention up front. First, this whole episode will be dealing with the use of various drugs in recreational and sexual settings. If that's not for you, then you're probably best to sit this one out. Second thing, nothing in this episode is meant to encourage you to go out and break laws or put yourself in danger. This is one man's experience, which he told me and I wanted to share because it's interesting. If you decide after listening to it that you want to try any of the things that Jason mentioned, that's on you. Please make good decisions and don't try to blame me if... You did too many mushrooms and now your brain is porridge and you can smell the Wi-Fi. And a final note, the sound quality on this one is a bit shoddy. Sorry about that. It sounds like I'm stuck in a toilet cubicle undergoing a particularly unpleasant bout of digestive distress. That's not the case. It's just the thing broke. The It's grey, it's got wires, it plugs into the other thing. I don't, I don't know. I'm not that technical. Anyway, I've got a new one on order. So everything should be back to normal by next week. But just so you know, it does sound like I'm in a porta potty or something. Sorry about that. You can support me on Patreon if you want me to buy better equipment so this kind of thing doesn't happen. Just saying. Right, that should do. Let's get weird. This is Probably True, stories of queer life and even queerer sex. Please be aware that this podcast contains strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. This story started, I think I was, it was right around 30, one side or the other of turning 30. I was kind of hitting the point in my life where I thought that I might be broken because sex wasn't all that interesting to me. Like I'd had a bunch of experiences. I enjoyed looking at pictures. I enjoyed the imagination side of it. I was fine working on myself, but sex wasn't like this thing that was pulling me through life, like it seems for a lot of other people around me. And I was kind of, I'm a very like stuck in my head, intellectual, analyzed type things type person. And so I was wrestling with these two possibilities. One was I didn't really have a sex drive and that was just the way my life was going to be. And the other possibility I thought was that maybe I had some undiscovered fetish that would unlock things for me. 
but then I'd have to discover it first. And since I'm kind of a shy and introverted person normally, going through the effort of like going through the entire list of fetishes to try and figure out which one was mine was just tiring. <laughs> yeah. How would you even approach that? Like alphabetically or start with the ones that are in arm's reach and, and work your way outwards? Kind of. Like I figured maybe I'd just look at the porn that I was watching at the time because I don't have one specific thing that I look at. I'm kind of constantly rotating through things. And so I figured I'd just kind of maybe start there and see what happened. But all of that just seemed way too tiresome. So I was just kind of, you know, I'm I'm not a relationship needy person. I'm that's me. So I was basically good with it, but I was basically kind of coming to terms with the fact that maybe that was just my life. But I was always I was keeping myself open to new experiences. Anytime they came to me, I was diving in, but none of them ever really did anything to, for me. Right around that time, I met this guy through a friend of mine. He's an artist. He was maybe 20-ish years older than me, uh, which was kind of exciting for me at the time. And at our first meeting, which was at his studio, he point blank told me that my body reminded him of an Egon Shele sketch, and that was totally his type, and he wanted to blow me. <laughs> you know, I'm heading into my 30s. I'm not a young boy who can be taken advantage of by older men for much longer, and it was kind of a, I'm going to be the older man in a short amount of time. <laughs> so I accepted his invite, and I went over to his place one day. Now, he he's an artist. His partner is an actor. They've been very successful in their life path. So they have this lovely house in one of the nicer neighborhoods here in LA, which means that their house is up on top of a hill. And I was broke as fuck at the time. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't have a car, which is unheard of here in LA. And I didn't want to admit to him in advance that I was broke as fuck at the time. So I took the metro to the closest stop, which was at the bottom of his hill and climbed all the way to the top of the hill. And so by the time I got there, I was a sweaty mess, which he seemed to like. So Great. Another check on the list. So he gave me some water and we sat down in the kitchen for me to de-sweat a bit. And so we're hanging out there, sitting on the bar stools around his kitchen bar, and he offered me some weed. And weed at the time, it wasn't a regular part of my life. You know, I'd certainly smoked before, but part of being broke as fuck is that buying an eighth of weed every now and then is <laughs> potentially going to cut into rent. So you don't do that. So I think like at that point in my life, I had maybe bought weed once. And then I basically just kind of took hits when people were passing it around. So yeah, I took a hit and we continued chatting. And I think he started asking me about what we wanted to get for dinner after he got me naked. And I remember realizing in the midst of this that I had just climbed this hill. I was a little exhausted. Oh, I didn't really eat anything today. I think I had some coffee for breakfast and that might have been it. And this was around 6 p.m.-ish. And then the counter, the kitchen counter, started getting a little swimmy in front of me. And then the stool started to feel a little odd beneath me. And then I opened my eyes and I was laying in a bedroom. And there was this beautiful old black and white photograph of Gary Cooper and Patricia Neal. It was like this old Hollywood still that was like looking down at me from the wall. And uh, my shirt was unbuttoned and open. And as I was like sitting up in bed trying to figure out where I was, uh, he came into the room, rushed into the room with a uh, wet washcloth. And he like looked at me and was like, I, I didn't know what to do. You just kind of like tipped over sideways and fell to the floor. So I picked you up and I carried you into my bedroom and I opened your shirt and well, here, do you want this washcloth? <laughs> and so I was realizing like I completely just 
flat out passed out in the middle of his kitchen, which has happened to me before. Tall, low blood pressure. The blood rushes out regularly. I knew what had happened, but I knew I, I was seeing it through his eyes, which is kind of scary to see someone you just met and just invited over to your house just tip over in your kitchen. Uh, but I was also like, as I'm realizing this, I'm like, wow, he carried me all the way to the bedroom to put me on the bed to make me feel comfortable or where are we? This is getting really interesting. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, when he walked into the bedroom, I could tell that he was more freaked out than I was. So I was like, okay, he was just panicking and he's stoned too. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> and so he was like, yeah, I'm just glad you're okay. Here, take the washcloth. Do you are, are you okay? Are you fine? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's happened to me before. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Do you want me to give you a blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm laying on his bed and I've got the cold compress and I'm feeling fine and feeling, you know, a little stoned and wavy, but basically I'm back to normal at this point, having <laughs> knocked everything out of my system. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So he got down on his knees and pulled off my pants and proceeded to give me the single greatest blowjob of my life. Wow. Bar none to this day, it was like everything in my body was suddenly turned on. When I finally came, it was like exploding. It was kind of mind blowing. And was, was this his technique or was it a combination of everything that was happening or? So, okay. You get my analytical mind. As soon as this was over, like we went out to dinner and finally ate something. So I went home and yeah. So now I'm trying to figure out what the fuck was that? Is this what everybody else is doing? And is this what I've been missing? And I could totally get into this. The first possibility I came up with that he knew something about blowjobs that I didn't, because clearly he was more experienced than I was. So I should probably come back more often and learn something from the master. So I tried that and they came back a few more times and they were fine. But no, it like it was nothing special. Second possibility, obviously, was that it was the weed in my system, but had sex stoned before and it hadn't really done anything. But it had to be something in there. Like, obviously, something happened this day. So there's the exhaustion, there's the weed, there's the potentially technique, there's the, you know, exoticness of this was definitely the oldest older guy I'd gone with, but I wasn't really into that. So it, or it didn't seem to be. So like all of these possibilities are floating around in my mind. But basically, now I have a goal. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to figure this thing out. <laughs> So that was enough to get me to get over the broke as fuck mentality and start buying myself some weed and tried some experiments at home. They were good, but nothing mind blowing. But, you know, I kept I kept at it like that's the way my mind works. That's the way I come at things is find a thing, figure out the projects, unlock the puzzle. But the biggest problem I was having here is that anytime that I would smoke, I would, as you mentioned on previous podcast, I would get overwhelmed by the cannabis, which potentially is what happened when I flat out fell out of a chair. So experiments continue, experiments continue. This was me hitting 30 and thinking that <laughs> sex just wasn't all that interesting of a thing. So I'm going to commit to this thing <laughs> until I unlock what's really going on inside of me. Through all of this, I, another thread of my life is interest in counterculture, Eastern meditation, mysticism, all that good, weird stuff that floats around anyway. Again, I start from my head and want to analyze all this stuff. And I did have a yoga practice and a meditation practice, and that's kind of floating around this also. But in a lot of the reading that I'm doing in, you know, counterculture and modern mysticism, there are all these drug references to psychedelics, to plant medicines, to etc. And by virtue of me being sheltered kid in the American suburbs growing up under Nancy Reagan and just say no. Drugs beyond alcohol and cannabis were never a part of my life. 
because I think early on, I just kind of imprinted this idea that they would break my brain and they were the worst thing ever. So here I am in my early 30s, having never experimented with these things, like I guess most people around me had. And I get an invite to Burning Man, which you can't say no to that. <laughs> Why better to go and experiment with drugs, but in the middle of a desert surrounded by a lot of people who were not so much experimenting as quite enthusiastically consuming. Exactly. And the other thing that I discovered early on that also made this brilliant was that Burning Man has a fence around it. They build a border around it. So it was like, if something goes completely wrong and I lose my mind and I start wandering around in circles and talking to birds, I can't wander off too far because there's a fence that will stop me. And I'm not going to walk into traffic. <laughs> These are the thoughts that go through my mind. So anyway, I find myself at Burning Man and I'm with a group of good people that I trust with access to multiple substances that I can try. And so I decided that mushrooms were the right place to start because they're natural and that seemed good to me. That's some logic there. Mm -hmm. Snapdragons are natural, but that, that's <laughs> digitalis. That will kill you instantly. Mm -hmm. All right, well. It's true. <laughs> Anyway, I did have a trusted guide walking me into this. So that helped. That helped, like, you know, calm the inner stress inside of me. This was a, a real person, presumably not some kind of spirit guide. A real person. Yes. No, this is a real person who had much more experience than I had at that point. And the thing with psychedelics is the thing that I've come to learn now, as you can tell from the way of talking, I've had more than one experience since then. For any of your listeners who have had that experience, either in a party circumstance or in a more focused, intentional, because this was Burning Man, but like my mind was putting this in sort of a mystical journey <laughs> development type yeah, thing. I don't want to say therapy. Gets there for me. Yeah. It's not a horrible word for it. But for anyone who has tried psychedelics, you know that that first experience and seeing what they are and what they do is kind of something you can't describe. Like you can talk about the the visuals that show up and the way that music is more music and <laughs> colors are more color, but there's there's something in that experience that is kind of fundamentally different than anything you can describe in normal life. So there isn't really a way that I can honestly say what that first experience was like of discovering what this was doing in my body, except that I did see a big lion in the sky, kind of like Mufasa that came out of the stars that night. And that was very cool. So at the end of the night, I got back to my tent after having wandered through the desert for multiple hours and danced with multiple people and seen lions in the sky and could still feel some of it in my body and decided that now is the time to continue my experiment. Get some dick. Yes. But, you know, it was late at night and I'm shy and none around. So I just worked with myself. And that was another one of these like mind-blowing, completely new experience of, you know, you use words like merging with the universe, and <laughs> they don't really mean anything when you say them out that, but they sound really big and impressive. But it became this feeling, sense, beyond sense of like having sex with the universe, but being part of the universe that was having sex with me, that was turning each other inside out all by myself and this little mushroom that I had eaten. So here's another little thing on the line of this is something I could get into. Of course, you know, that, that side of my brain that Nancy Reagan stuck in there back when I was a youth was saying, you're turning into a druggie. What are you doing here? <laughs> this is just you playing with drugs. And yes, 
Yes, it is. But for me, at least, what has developed from that night, and you know, I've continued using Burning Man. I've gone several times since then. And I've continued kind of using that as a lab for experimenting with these things. And I've pulled it out here to the real world too, though I haven't out here in the real world, I haven't combined anything other than cannabis and another person yet, because like the whole party drug chem sex world holds no interest for me. I don't have judgment on people who do, but for me, that side of things just, it is like you say, for me, it is therapy. It is kind of a spiritually minded therapy like i am honestly looking for that thing that was blocked throughout all my 20s that is opening up under these experiments somehow like i'm finding the things inside of me that were blocked and are opening me up to more and more experiences with other lovely gentlemen but not using the substances but at burning man there have been multiple very interesting <laughs> combinations of <laughs> various substances and various boys in various mindful ways and culminating in this one recent experience of ending up in the middle of a tent with a very beautiful young boy on my lap doing all sorts of nasty things to each other while a large group of people were around us <laughs> watching it happening and like all of that <laughs> going on at the same time was again like it's this I guess, pushing me all the way from the extreme of shyness and introversion and not really being interested in that to the other extreme in a safe space with something that is chemically changing the way my inner things work. There still is this something inside of me, like I can kind of feel it at this point. There is some sort of like deep block. Going to therapy has never been of interest to me, like that relationship. Maybe I need to break that down one of these days. I don't know. But this experimental path that I had been going on for a while was doing that for me and breaking down a lot of the other things. And so I was really, really up for figuring out what this this really big thing that was hanging out in there. And this happened to be around the time that PrEP showed up. And when it first showed up, it also wasn't any interest to me. Like I had, I came up in New York in the mid 90s. I was surrounded by the real AIDS fear at the time. So condoms have always been part of my life. And safe sex was just an easy thing. It was just part of me. But then I thought about that and I was like, this has always been a part of me. Like I've, I've always connected sex with having to be safe, having to protect myself. And then I realized that I, I hadn't really thought about this moment like this before, that the first time that I had really come into contact with queer culture had been a high school trip that I took way, way back in the dark ages. I was 15-ish. We took a school trip to Washington, D.C. to see Guys and Dolls. And it happened to be the same weekend of the big, massive gay march on Washington for gay, lesbian, bi rights and recognition. I forget what the full name. It's a really long name. But this was the second time the AIDS quilt had been fully constructed on the National Mall. It was one of the largest protests in American history. And so my introduction to gay culture was finding all of these kind of flirty gents who were enjoying joking with the kids who happened to be on the hotel elevator, but also walking down the National Mall and seeing the AIDS quilt as far as you could see and people at every patch, mourners everywhere. And like that was my first introduction to what it might mean. This was long before I had come out or had really wrestled with anything like this. Gay to me meant that sex was going to kill me one day. And I'd never really bluntly confronted myself with that. And as soon as I bluntly confronted myself with that, I called my doctor and said, yes, I want to try PrEP. And I was doing it 
specifically because I knew the next step of my experiment was to have condomless sex with PrEP in a situation that was safe enough, but to intentionally break down that wall. Like using the scientific data of where PrEP is and what PrEP does for us to intentionally have sex. And so I found this guy on Scruff and lovely gentleman, but basically anonymous, also on PrEP, went over to his place and we had sex. And at that moment when he came and I just like put all of the work that I'd been doing for the past, let's say, decade at this point in meditation and breathing and what I'd been learning out of my self-drug experiences of opening things up, I just put all of the focus on that moment and realized that in this one moment, there was a possibility that I had just completely fucked up. And the thing that I had been unconsciously running from my entire life and scared of and protecting myself, there was the possibility that I had just done that to myself. But, <laughs> and I was going to be okay with that. And if I had completely fucked everything up, you know, in my mind at the time, then instead of taking this little blue pill every day that I was taking, I was going to take a different little pill every day and that was going to be okay. It honestly unlocked it. And like from that moment to this, sex has been an exciting thing. It's been a completely new world of exploration and testing out all of those very various fetishes that, you know, don't do anything for me, but testing all of them on the list is a lot of fun. <laughs> I can imagine. I like the idea of getting a list of fetishes and just crossing them all off one by one. That's, that's very scientific. <laughs> so that's my story of drugs and sex in three little moments. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Presumably you don't go about it by messaging randoms and saying, hello, I'm doing some drugs. Would you like to come and have sex with me? Um, no, no, I don't. <laughs> that's good. That, that, that would not be the best way forward. With your scientific brain, do you have a, a method to your drug-based sexy times? Or do you have a, a list of trusted partners? Or is it more that you tend to, to do those things by yourself and then bring the experiences rather than the drugs themselves into your sexy times. Yeah, where, where I am at this point is that I haven't brought like a full-on drug experience into a, an encounter with another person outside of Burning Man. What I have done is I have discovered over the course of this that cannabis is a great one to use, and I kind of put that in its own 
separate category because why not? But I've discovered that using a very small amount of it, and I pretty much exclusively use it for meditation practice and meditation connected with sex practice. I don't really recreationally use cannabis because it does kind of make me quiet and <laughs> in the corner anyway. So I kind of reserve it for that. And so sex with other partners, that's an easy one. I'm in LA. Everybody has weed and sex. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> something you have to disclose in advance. But the, the third version of what you said is like taking the experiences that I'm learning from kind of interacting with myself on these things. Like I use them in a way that I feel like I'm interacting with that. I'm learning new things about myself that I didn't know were there. And then taking that and taking that out into the world and adventuring. If you can put something that is evidently very sensory and experiential into words, how would you say that cannabis use changes your experience of sex? It makes edging really easier and longer, allows me to get to the point of experiencing multiple orgasms, full body kind of spreading things out to all of my nerves instead of just the crotch nerves. That sounds almost tantric. That's kind of the mentality that I put into it when I'm doing it. And, you know, it takes patience. I have patience, fortunately. Other guys don't tend to have patience. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that I've discovered as this has been progressing with me is like now that I'm having encounters with other guys, it's become very easy for me to kind of blow other guys' minds, which is dangerous. <laughs> that's your x-man power i like it yeah. it's i'm discovering that and like it's it's fun it's really empowering but they latch on real quick and they don't want to let go <laughs> i'm like no that, that was that was fun we're done <laughs> you should start a class that la seems like the kind of place where you could start a class for that kind of thing they're definitely yes there's definitely <laughs> good for it i don't want to completely dismiss your story out of hand because if i do just smoke weed i would totally be in your shoes and I smoke weed. I end up finding the couch and the cat and the two of us just sit there and <laughs> spend hours <laughs> playing with each other's fur. And that, that's about all I'm good for at that point. But that's why like what I've worked through, what I've discovered for myself is using very small amounts, just enough to kind of get to tick the box, basically. I suppose we should note at this point that you're not just randomly taking drugs off strangers and then going for sexy times. There's a lot of homework and thought and dosing and yes. safety concerns in place as well. All of that. Just before someone in my listenership decides to shovel a big pile of pills in their face and see what happens. Exactly. No. And I should also say, along the lines of what you said, I do not recommend this for anybody. Most of these substances are still illegal in most jurisdictions. That is changing quickly here in the US, surprising the fuck out of me. But <laughs> for now, <laughs> check yes. your local laws. Don't try this at home, kids. For fuck's sake. But go out to an autonomous community in the middle of the Nevada desert and try it there. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not an evangelist for drugs in, in general. I'm not going to be that. But for me, and I might go so far as to say for people like me who feel like something's blocked off, something's not there, there is, there is something in putting certain chemicals into your system and letting your system conversate with them and discovering what comes out the other end in the right way i'm just going to keep stressing that i have to keep stressing that <laughs> you you honestly should and i do too and i know that even the ones that i'm talking about like the psychedelics the empathogens the cannabis in certain people they're also not going to be a good match and that's why i think 
you're absolutely right that if you are going to interact with them, you need to be respectful with them and start small and work your way up. And I mean, I'm just going to recommend it because it works for me, but do it as an experiment to, you know, and to do an experiment, you start with small, test out the thing, record the results, adjust the experiment for the next time, do another experiment, record the results. It's not a party. It, it's fun. <laughs> it's definitely fun. Uh, but it's not a way to lose yourself. It's a way to discover new aspects of yourself. Can be. I would assume that anything like this is best done in the presence of someone who knows what they're doing, who's been through it themselves, rather than just trying to do it on your own or with people who are equally as clueless as you. How do you go about finding someone like that with whom to do these things? I got lucky. The group of people I was with that first time at Burning Man, they were not only good people to be with and caring and supportive, they were also, two of them were very well experienced and also very interested in it, so had all the knowledge. So that was a great intro to kind of get myself past the initial fears and nervousness and everything. And then once the experience was as great as it was, I felt better about trying other things in the close vicinity, not <laughs> diving into the deep end and seeing what I could find. I'm constantly in communication with them and I know that they're out there and that sort of web is nice. And I can have sort of psychedelic conversations with one or two of my friends that are good because, you know, can, you can talk about these things and act like scientists and <laughs> put on your little lab coat and <laughs> be this thing. But yeah, again, I'm, I'm not recommending this to anybody because I know that everybody has different personalities they're working with and different levels of comfort with their own way of doing it. But for me, it has been kind of a one-person band and bringing in other people when I need bodies to play with and experiment with and letting them know in advance what it is I'm doing so that they're not surprised by it. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Time to sell your product, hawk your wares, open your suitcase and pay the bills. Just flop it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I'm working on, I'm developing a film right now that's called The Naked Truth. It's a nonfiction film. I'm trying not to call it a documentary because that has certain connotations in everyone's mind and this isn't that. But we're taking the male body as our subject and looking at sort of modern masculinity and how it's changing really fast right now and what it means to live in a male body, whether that's a cis or trans body. And we're doing it through the voices and stories of sort of the people that usually get ignored in this area, which are sex workers, performers, artists. So I'm really going kind of as anti-Hollywood as I can in this film. And as part of it, we're also uh, gathering as many shots of men's bodies that are out there. So if anybody out there is interested in helping us along with this film, we're kind of building up a community to do it rather than relying on funding from normal sources because they're not going to put any money into it film about guys that has a bunch of dicks in it. So uh, yeah, if anybody's interested in this project and kind of joining us on the journey, uh, you can find us at thenakedtruthfilm.com. You can find us on Instagram at thenakedtruthfilm. Feel free to reach out to us, join us. And if, if you have any questions about the other stuff we talked about this, you can find me on Instagram at jasondecker42, which is kind of a boring Instagram, but happy to answer questions if anybody has any. Excellent. Please go to Jason and not to me. I'm innocent and know nothing and cannot help you with any of those kind of things. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So it'll be a little bit easier for people to find you. We're going to be shooting, you know, as many bodies as we can find in all shapes, sizes, colors, configurations, anonymous, non-anonymous, using faces, not using faces to kind of create this tapestry of the body Dick. that we never see on film because 
everybody hides it behind a fig leaf and we're tired of that. If you're interested, hop on the website and uh, go to the join us link and let us know who you are. That was Probably True, the multi-award winning storytelling podcast created to remind all of our queer siblings that we are none of us alone. If you like what you heard and you want me to keep doing it, you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash probably true. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.